Um, we are in Acts, the 19th chapter. And uh, we will uh, set it up again. We'll take it right at verse 1. Uh, this is Paul. He says, well, at Apollos, while Apollos, the real fancy preacher guy, was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And we talked about this uh, before I left on my terribly difficult cruise to Alaska. But uh, about this question. And, and this has been a point of contention for quite some time in the evangelical church. This whole idea about the Holy Spirit. Now, uh, a lot of people say, well, when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. You don't need to pray separately for the Holy Spirit. And they've got all their arguments together. That's fine. It still does not erase the fact that in the New Testament church, they asked it as a separate question. Three specific questions they would ask. Number one, did you believe? Number two, have you been baptized? And number three, have you received the Holy Spirit? Since you believe. So if apparently you get all of that when you first get saved, these guys didn't know that. If you catch the twist there. <clears throat> anyway, um, this is an idea that came up later, you know, because they had this difficulty. Also, the other thing was um, overwhelmingly what happened when they received the Holy Spirit. It doesn't always say what happened, but it always says something happened. But what the one continual line is, is what, which we're about to see here. So he asked him this question, have you received the Holy Spirit? He said, we haven't even heard there was a Holy Spirit. And, and Paul said, well, what baptism did you receive? They said, well, John's baptist, baptism, John the Baptist. Uh, that's when they became believers under his ministry. And Paul said, well, John's baptism was the baptism of repentance. He told people to believe in the one coming after him, that is in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. So they were baptized again. When Paul placed his hands on him, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there were about 12 men in all. Now, sometimes it says they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Other times uh, there were tongues of fire and spoke in tongues. And, and other times it says something happened, but we don't know what happened. It just says something happened and everybody went, ooh, ah, ooh, ah. Something cool was happening. Uh, the continuing uh, line here was the speaking in tongues. Now, uh, I had pa- Pastor Lathan have uh, a special service last week because I was gone. I thought, well, this would be a perfect time right here to just pray for people who haven't had that prayer to receive the Holy Spirit when they believe. And I guess you all had a wonderful service uh, last week. And yeah, and almost everybody came forward to, uh, to pray that prayer. Um, so a couple of things about that. Uh, number one, we don't take a hardcore position that you have to. To speak in tongues. Um, We don't really even approach it that way. I I don't go with an attitude of a filter from God. You know, God, I want something, but not that. You know, so while we don't force it down people's face, on the other hand, we don't go around saying, you know, well, just tell God you don't want it. You know, just, man, I just want all of God. I don't care if it means dancing on point ballet you know I, I, I don't care I just want whatever so so you don't come with preconditions you just come and receive then there, there are the people who are hardcore you got to speak in tongues who didn't like the way we did it because they said well you separated it too far from speaking in tongues you need to push speaking in tongues no because the bible says they asked them the question did you receive the holy spirit and never asked them did you speak in tongues so if you don't like the way we did it pfft, I don't care. Get over it. You know what? The beauty about being here is you can do it any way you want in your life. You can go minister to people all day long. And pray for them and get them saved. And if you think people should be baptized in prune juice, then you can do it on your own anytime you want. 
don't be getting on my butt about it. All right? We're trying to follow the Bible here. The Bible never did put any preconditions. Just ask them the question. Have you prayed? Have you received the Holy Spirit since you believe? And that's what we do. We pray for people to receive the Holy Spirit. Some of you spoke in tongues. Some of you didn't. Uh, that's God's deal. Hallelujah. But we do and we pray and we receive and we believe in receiving and being empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit makes a difference in our lives. Now let me encourage you. This is not a one time you just do this once and then never again. You know, we need to continue. The Bible tells us to continue to walk in the Holy Spirit, being filled continually with his Holy Spirit. Um, when I spoke in tongues, what happened to you, Pastor, did you, when you got filled with the Holy Spirit? I did speak in tongues. But this wasn't something I did 35 years ago. I speak in tongues every day, every day, every day, every day, every day. Really? Yeah, because I just think it's cool. And it's fun. And it's great. And Paul the Apostle talked about it. He says, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. So he must have been like really into it. All right. And he says, when I do it, I, I, when you pray that way, you just build up your spirit. Man, I need all the building up I can get. Man, when I've done, you know, when my little kids, uh, grandsons are driving, I got one of these little cool cars, these battery powered things that go about five miles an hour. <laughs> you should see them. And, and they run around. When they're done at the end of the day, I plug it in. Why? Because I want it charged up so the next time they come over, they'll go. Okay? I don't just go, well, well it stopped running. I don't know what happened. I plugged it in once, like they said at the beginning. And it's all done. I guess it wasn't real. <laughs> I was robbed. Are you hearing me? You're just a one time chase after God and, and, and ask for the empowering of his Holy Spirit. And you start speaking in tongues and you just a one time deal. You keep doing this. You keep plugging in. You keep getting charged up. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, it will make a huge difference in your life. Continuing chasing after God. Don't get stuck in one experience. You remember when uh, the apostles, uh, or when uh, Jesus went up on the mountain with, what is it, Peter, James, and John, and all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden he just started glowing, and and Moses showed up, and who's the other, Elijah showed up, and this big voice, this is my beloved son. They thought this was so cool. The first thing they wanted to do was build a church and stay there. They did. Let's build tabernacles. Let's build tabernacles. Let's make this permanent. Let's make this permanent. This one-time experience. Because no, no, no. It's not about just locking into one experience and making it permanent. It's about continually experiencing God in our life. Christianity is not a one-time past experience that you just keep looking back now. A lot of people do that. They just keep remembering that one time they were blessed. Oh, I wish we could be blessed like that one time. I wish church could be like that one time we had church a long time ago back in 1922. You ever meet people like that? That's the way they talk. Every time they talk about God, they can talk about in the past tense. I remember when God moved mildly back in that one day in that great revival. It was fantastic. I didn't like that one revival in the 70s when all those hippies got saved. But the rest of them were cool. You know, I like them. I'm looking back, man. I'm looking forward. Hallelujah. Did you experience God? Yeah, that was cool. Can't wait to see what happens next. Ooh, you know what I'm saying? It's like when you're watching... You know, you ever, you ever, you ever sit down with a, with a, a DVD set of the, the show 24? Anybody ever do that? You know what I'm talking about? Okay. You know how hard it is not to put in the next DVD? <laughs> do you know what I'm talking about? How many of you have been there? You know what I'm talking about? How many of you sat for like eight hours or more watching those stupid things? Look at us. Ten, I mean, you can't stop. 
It's like a drug. You get my wife and I are like hours after hours and hours and hours, and we're washing it, and it's late, and it stops. And we went, put in the next one. You know, it's like you can't stop because what's going to happen next? It constantly drags. That's the way we should be with Jesus. They're putting the next DVD. What's coming up next? Woo! Say, what happened to him? He went to Alaska. All right. I feel good now. All right, so <laughs> moving on. Keep it up, man. That's what I'm saying. You keep chasing after God. Okay, so Paul entered the synagogue, verse 8, and spoke boldly there for three months. Where? He's in Ephesus, okay? Uh, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some of them became obstinate, as was usually the case, and refused to believe and publicly maligned the way. Up until this point, the Christians were always referred to as the people of the way. They didn't have a name yet. Okay, the name comes in a little bit, you'll see. Uh, so Paul left them. Uh, he took the disciples with him and had discussions daily in the lecture hall of Tyrannus. That's not a dinosaur, that's the guy's name. Uh, this went on for two years so that all the Jews and Greeks who lived in the province of Asia heard the word of the Lord. And God did extraordinary miracles through Paul. So much so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick. And their illnesses were cured. And the evil spirits left him. Man, now that's being full of the Holy Spirit. This is the guy who said, man, I thank God I speak in tongues more than all of you. He never quit the DVDs, man. He's like, one after another. <laughs> he got so buzzing, man. All he had to do was just get a hold of a handkerchief. And then if the handkerchief that he touched, touched the sick person, the sick person got healed. Now, that, that's a serious buzz. Are you hearing me? I mean, when you are so under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, just the stuff you touched blows people away. Sets them free. Delivers them from demon possession. I mean... That's a good day. You're doing good. You know what I'm saying? Now, this is where now some of you, you'll see from time to time healing evangelists um, talk about, you know, you know, call in today and we will send you this prayer cloth or whatever that, that we laid hands on and stuff like that. The problem is a lot of those guys are selling those things. Do not get into that nonsense. Paul did not sell handkerchiefs that he touched. Okay, it was about ministering, healing, and power to people's lives. So don't get caught into people who are trying to make money off the gospel. But that's where they get this idea from of just, you know, I will pray for this and I'll send it to you kind of thing. All right, so anyway, continuing on. Some Jews uh, who went down, uh, who went around driving out evil spirits, you say, what is that? There were a lot of people back then who were possessed of evil spirits and when we talk about, and I preached on this, you know, not everybody agrees with me, but I preached on this. When, when, when we talk about possession of evil spirits, we're not talking people who have problems keeping their temper under control. We're not having people who have, have problems, you know, keeping pure thoughts. We're not, we're not talking people with patience problems. We're not talking people with little struggles that, you know, a lot of people say, well, I must be a demon, I keep struggling with it. No, 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 no. When these guys were demon-possessed, everybody knew they were demon-possessed. What even just the Christians, these, these Jews, they could see they were demon-possessed. These people were nutty in a fruitcake and doing crazy things and becoming supernaturally strong and raving lunatics. You say, do we have those kinds of things today? Uh, not a whole lot in this country, but I presume the ones that we do, we lock up. 
We do. They're in their wacko houses, man, and they're just, you know, they're just really out there. I think a lot of the people, if you've ever been in one of those places, I have, not as a permanent visitor, but (laughs) want to make that clear on TV. (laughs) I needed something wrong with that boy. He's been in a new nut bin, you know. No, I've been there visiting people, you know. If you've ever, yeah, if you've ever been in one of these places, you know, there's like, there's some weird stuff happening and you can feel it on a lot of these people and stuff. But anyway, uh, when people would see these people who are being tormented out of their minds and acting crazy and just outside any normal realm and, and doing things that were just bizarre, you know, you know, one guy strong enough that he could take ten guys, that kind of, I mean, just really bizarre stuff. They knew that this was an, an external force tormenting this person. And they would pray for them, and they would do whatever they could for them. And the thing about when Jesus showed up, he went and he started casting demons out of people, and they were all amazed, because when he did, they would leave. And while they would pray and work and do whatever they can, and they're trying to get this spirit to leave the guy alone, Jesus would come along and say, knock it off, and ah! Spirits to take off. Pretty cool. Well, then the believers who followed Jesus also started doing the same thing. Because that's what Jesus told them to do. You saw what I did? He said, now you go do the same thing. So they went around. They started casting out demons. So anyway, these guys who had been praying for people, trying to help them through these horrible fits and stuff they were having, had heard about Paul casting out these men. Demons in the name of Jesus and setting people free. So it says some Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. And apparently they were having some success with this. That's why they were doing it. They didn't even believe in Jesus. It was just a formula that for some bizarre reason was working. All they knew is when you said the name of Jesus, these demons would hup, two, hup, 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 and they'd get out. Well, it was working good until this day. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish, uh, a Jewish uh, a chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them when they said this. You know, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Well, this one day, the evil spirit says, well, Jesus I know. And I know about Paul. But who are you nitwits? It's my translation. And then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them, seven guys, one guy jumping on seven guys and overpowered all of them because he was demon possessed. And he gave them such a beating. They ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Now it's bad enough to run out beat up and bleeding. It's a bad day when you're running out naked and bleeding. I mean, this guy just pounded the snot out of these guys and everybody heard about this whoa you don't want to mess with the name of jesus and they started respecting the name of jesus and it says this when this became known to the jews and greeks living in ephesus they all were all seized with fear and the name of the lord jesus was held in high honor (laughs) pretty cool huh anyway many of those uh, who believe now came and openly confessed their evil deeds Now check this story out. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. 
So a whole people got, bunch of people had gotten saved. A lot of people were involved in evil arts and witchcraft and stuff like that. He said, you mean there was a few people? No, there were tons of people who were doing this. One of the reasons why so many people were demon-possessed is because they opened themselves up to this bizarre, dark world of the dark arts and stuff like that, inviting these spirits in. And, of course, it would uh, take people and torment them and, and stuff. So they took all the scrolls, just of the guys who had gotten saved, and they came together and they burned them publicly. Uh, it says, when they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. Now, a drachma is about a day's wage. So depending on an average day's wage, uh, times $50,000 or 50,000 of them, in today's dollars, you're talking somewhere in the order of $10 million. $10 million of these scrolls and books and all the stuff of the witchcraft uh, were burned up in this one Gathering Now that's a lot of scrolls, a lot of books. It was a major deal. That's how many people, just among the saved people who are getting saved, that's how much they burn. That shows you how much just in the culture alone, and again, sets the uh, atmosphere of why there was so much problem with the demon possession. Um, now, uh, and then it says, in this way, the word of the Lord spread wide, widely and grew in power. Now, some years ago, late 70s or early 80s, I can't remember, there were a bunch of guys going around uh, doing this. Uh, they had these big uh, evangelistic meetings and uh, would encourage people, based on the scripture, to come and bring uh, their, you know, satanic materials and books and you know the albums of you know real heavy satan worshiping rock bands and stuff like that and they would get them all and burn them anybody remember this when they and it just had all kinds of unbelievably negative press uh and but the reason why is something happened between that and this and his name was adolf hitler and Hitler came, and one of the things he was doing was burning anything that he opposed and stuff like that. So that is like a major thing in people's heads today. I would never do this today. First of all, the Bible doesn't say you have to do it. It just happens, says they happen to do it. Uh, just to say, well, let's do it because I did it in the Bible, and not have a clue about how offensive this would be to millions of people. Uh, is just another example, I think, of just, uh, and, and I'm an evangelical Christian, proud to be glad to be born again, wonderful and stuff, but we are famous for doing really incredibly stupid things. And this is one of those examples of just dumber than a brick. Okay, and one of the reasons why people look at us and go, y'all are weird. Okay, there's no sense. People are going to think we're weird enough. <laughs> are you hearing me? Without doing things that remind them of, I don't know, Hitler. Moving on. <sighs> After all this happened, Paul decided to go to Jerusalem, passing through Macedonia and Achaia. After I have been there, he said, I must visit Rome also. So that's the first indication that he has his heart to go to Rome. And he sent two of his helpers, Timothy and Erastus, to Macedonia, uh, while he stayed in the province of Asia a little longer. Well, about that time, there arose a great disturbance about the way. Remember, we don't know who these people are yet. We haven't been given our name yet. They didn't know what to call us. They're the way, those people of that way. I don't know what they're called. 
Well, there's, here's the big disturbance. There was a silversmith named Demetrius who made silver shrines of Artemis brought in, uh, and brought in no little business for the craftsmen. I mean, these guys were making a lot of money, the guys who were making these little idols that people would buy and sit down and hullabah, 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 Artemis, okay? And they would worship these stupid statues. Well, he called together all the uh, uh, silversmiths and, and, and along with the workmen in related trades and said, uh, men, you know we receive a good income from this business, i.e. we make a lot of ching-ching. And you see and hear how this fellow Paul has convinced and led astray large numbers of people here in Ephesus and particularly in the whole province of Asia. He says that man-made gods are no gods at all, which was shocking to them. They thought that they were. This is danger not only that our trade will lose its good name. <laughs> no, they were about ching-ching, losing that. But also that the temple of the great goddess Artemis will be discredited. And the goddess herself, who is worshipped throughout the province of Asia, and the world will be robbed of her divine majesty. Well, when they heard this, they were furious. And they began shouting, Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is... So they're just in a lather. This is the Middle East. They haven't changed much in a long time. To the, you, you watch on there and they just get in these just screaming and hollering and shouting for hours on end. This is part of their culture actually. It goes back 2,000 years as we will see here. Soon the whole city was in an uproar. And the people seized Gaius and our Aristocrates, whatever his name is. Paul's, <laughs> I hate these names. Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia and, and rushed as one man into this. So they grabbed the two closest Christians that they saw. And they're just in a lot And they grabbed them. They rush into the big theater in town. And well, Paul wanted to appear before the crowd because he was always looking for an opportunity to preach to a crowd. He was worse than me. All right. This guy's always looking for, you know, we got a big mob. Praise God. Time for me to preach. You know. So he gets this crowd. He, he wants to go preach. Well, the disciples wouldn't let him. And even some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, sent him a message begging him, don't go into that theater. These people are riled, Jack. You're just going to cause a riot and they're going to kill you. Well, the assembly was in confusion because some were shouting one thing. And some were shouting another. And most of the people didn't even know why they were there. (laughs) Which I think is hilarious. They're just there because there's a party going. There's a riot. Get a bunch of people screaming, rah, rah, rah. yeah, I'm in. Rah, rah, rah. What are we yelling about? I have no idea. Rah, rah, rah. But I'm mad. I'm mad as I can be. Rah, rah, rah. <laughs> well, the Jews rushed Alexander to the front. Jews said, well, we'll take advantage of this and we'll really get Paul's neck in a, in a ring here. And some of the shout crowded, shouted instructions to him. You know, tell him this, tell him that, tell him that. So he motioned for silence in order to make a defense before the people. But when they realized that he was a Jew, well, then they all went nuts. And they all shouted in unison for two hours. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great is Artemis of the Ephesians! Great! And I'd be tired of that in about five minutes. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how much fun it is to yell that, but I think five minutes would do it for me. (laughs) All these dudes for two hours! Hours. I'm telling you, this is culture. This is this has been a long 
trend uh, from this culture in the Middle East. You think Puerto Ricans and Italians get mad. These people, they put us to shame. For two hours, they scream this. Well, the city clerk, clerk, Kirk, Captain Kirk stepped forward. (laughs) That's a different Bible. That's... (laughs) I don't know why you come. Okay, I warn you all the time. This is a surprise to me. That's not Captain Kirk, the city clerk, who was a relative of Captain Kirk, quieted the crowd and said, Men of Ephesus, don't all, doesn't all the world know that the city of Ephesus is the guardian of the temple of the great Artemis and of her image which fell from heaven? Therefore, since these facts are undeniable, you ought to be quiet and not do anything rash. You have brought these men here, though they have neither robbed the temples, nor have they blasphemed our goddess. If then Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen, he knew who was causing the trouble. If Demetrius and his fellow craftsmen have a grievous against anybody, the courts are open, and there are pro-councils, they can press charges. If there's anything further you want to bring up, it must be settled in a legal assembly. So God bless the clerk alright he says get a little reason here as it is we are in danger of being charged with rioting because of today's events which in those days being charged was a pretty serious deal in that case we would not be able to account for this commotion since there's no reason for it and after he said this he dismissed the assembly then chapter 20 remember the chapter numbers are all added later there were no chapters he keeps writing he says when the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples and after encouraging them said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. Well, he traveled through that area speaking many words of encouragement to the people and finally arrived in Greece where he stayed three months but because the Jews made a plot against them just as he was about to sail for Syria he decided to go back through Macedonia. You know, if you know somebody's trying to kill you, why give them the opportunity? So he was accompanied by Sopater, a son of Aphirus from Berea, Aristocardus and Secundus from Thessalonica, Gaius from Derby, Timothy also, there's an easy name, uh, Tychius and Trophimus, whatever their names are, from the province of Asia. These are, don't you dare name your kids these names, okay? It's a Bible name, I don't care. Just, uh, we'll beat you, all right? These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. I can say that one. But we sailed from Philippi. Philippi! Philippi! Do you remember who they left in Philippi? Luke! He's the one who's writing this. After the Feast of Unleavened Bread, five days later, uh, joined the others at Troas where we stayed seven days. That's why we see the we again now. Okay, remember? We saw the we for a little while until they got to Philippi and then it was just Paul and so he stayed there. He had to stay there. Comes back through Philippi now it's we again. And now we are reading the account from a first-hand perspective. Okay? So we're, we're seeing a mix of these are what we heard from others and then part of this he says, I saw myself. I was there literally. So now we're picking it back up where he was there. Uh, well, on the first day of the week we came together to break bread. Now, that sounds like a very, very insignificant verse, but it's actually rather significant because this is where we get the first indication that Christians gathered together on the first day of the week, which is, in fact, Sunday. Um, 
Now, the Sabbath literally is Saturday. It's not Sunday. If you ever hear anyone say, you know, or, you know, honor the Sabbath, and you know, the Sabbath is actually Saturday, they are correct. It is Saturday. It's not Sunday. And when these guys got together and uh, Paul and stuff would go to the uh, synagogues on the Sabbath and proclaim the gospel, and they'll tell you it was Saturday, they are correct. It was, in fact, Saturday. Uh, then we have this indication here that on the first day of the week they came together to break bread. So we had this gathering of people on the first day of the week. Now, also tr- Christian tradition shows that they were gathering on the first day of the week as a way of celebrating the resurrection because Jesus was raised on the first day of the week, which is Sunday. And this is where we get the tradition now for 2,000 years of Christians meeting on Sunday. You say, well, pastor, if it's literally Saturday, aren't we supposed to worship then on Saturday? No. Uh, if Now, if you really believe all of the Old Testament rules about the Sabbath are to be obeyed, then yes, then you should be worshiping on Saturday. I think we have dealt with in significant ways and will continue because every time you read the New Testament, Paul is explicit in that we do not live by the Old Testament rules and regulations and he specifically said one day is the same as any other day and if one person wants to make one day holy let them knock themselves out if another one wants to make another great so some all days are holy uh it's not about the day it's about the attitude of the heart uh, i didn't realize that was an important issue to some of you but, uh, but uh, you know, so if you've got some people who, who they really feel strong about it, you know, from a Christian standpoint, we should not condemn them. I have wonderful friends who are Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, I love these guys. Uh, wonderful people. Uh, I, we get asked, you know, all over the country, as you know, to come and speak and stuff like that. I would say one of the denominations we get the most requests from are Seventh-day Adventists. Uh, I've spoken at several of their universities and some of their largest churches and and uh, just wonderful, wonderful, wonderful people who they feel, no, we do need to obey those Old Testament regulations and, you know, it's just a point of disagreement. I disagree. But uh, they're wonderful people and I get along with them fabulously and I'm amazed that they keep having me speak to them who is not an Adventist. But uh, anyway, but we don't do that and I, I just think to me, all days are the same, man. Every day. This is a day that the Lord hath made. It's another day to stick in the Holy Ghost DVD and suck it all up, man. So, uh, you know, we just happen to meet as, as a congregation on, Wednesday, uh, on Sundays. Uh, cool. You know, if it would be Tuesdays, I wouldn't care. Uh, it's a Wednesday night right now. I still don't care. You know, just every day. That's my approach. Okay? But this is where we get the first biblical reference of them meeting on the first day of the week. So... Here they come together, first day of the week, break bread. Paul spoke to the people. And because he intended to leave the next day, he would not shut up. <laughs> he kept on talking until midnight. Okay, well there were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Again, he's there, he's witnessing this. Well, seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep. Because Paul would not shut up. And as we know that, um, uh, what's his name, uh, Apollos 
was quite the orator, the fabulous speaker. Uh, there's really no indication that Paul was this dynamic orator, per se, in terms of, of, of style. Obviously, he was brilliant. It wasn't the New Testament was, was, wasn't written by Apollos. Uh, it was written by Paul. Uh, my guess is, if we wanted to listen to someone preach, we'd all rather go check out Apollos. <laughs> because we're just like, we're Americans, and we like to be entertained, and if I can't hold your attention, you're going to leave. All right? But Paul wasn't overwhelmed by that and concerned about it. So anyway, Eutychus, Paul is going on and on and on and on, and he falls into a deep sleep. And while, when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. So whenever they say, Paul, you are killing them, they, they were serious. He, he was literally killing them as they were falling asleep and dropping to their deaths. Well, Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, put his arms around him, and raises the guy from the dead. Don't be alarmed, he said, he's alive. Well, then he went upstairs again and broke bread and ate. I like, he went upstairs again. I would have stayed on the lowest floor at this point. But he goes upstairs again, gets something to eat. Now, you would think, people start dropping dead, it's time to wrap it up. Wouldn't you think? I mean, if you start keeling over, I'm moving on. Time to go get a burger or something. But Paul doesn't stop. The guy literally falls to his death, and then he keeps talking. After talking, until daylight. So he goes to midnight, guy drops dead, raises from the dead, keeps on talking. Until the next day. I don't know who in the world stayed awake for all of this. But I, 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 would have, I would have been climbing up to the third just to jump myself to uh, try and end my life, I think. But anyway, he, he uh, went on and on, and they kept listening. Well, the people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted, especially the young man, I would think. We went ahead uh, to the ship and sailed for Assos, which you want to pronounce correctly. Assos, Assos, something like that. Anyway, Assos, Assos. <laughs> <laughs> you came oh, well, where we were going to take Paul aboard he made this arrangement because he was going there on foot so um, we go on the ship to Asos we'll call it that and Paul said well you guys go on and I'll catch up with you because I'm going to go there by foot I don't know why and I don't know why they're telling us this what you're going to start seeing now is great detail. Because he's literally there. And he's seeing this. And now he's retelling this. And he starts retelling the events in quite amazing detail as we go here. Uh, and starts telling us all kinds of stuff that I read. And I think, why are you telling us this? You know, but he's just telling us everything. So, well, when he met us at ASOS, uh, we took him aboard and went on to Mytilene, Mytilene, whatever. The next day, we sailed from there to arrived and arrived off Kios, which is just down the road from where they make Kias. <laughs> the day, day at no, no, they did not. Okay, the day after we crossed over to Samos, and on the following day arrived at Miletus. Who cares? I don't know. Maybe there's some deep spiritual significance here, Mary, that you're aware of. I, I have no idea, but he's given us every little. We stopped here. We went over there. We jumped in the ship. We went over here. To, took a left to the ground. The corner went on here. 
Well, Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus to avoid spending time in the province of Asia. So he's going to sail past Ephesus. Because he doesn't want to spend time there. All right. Because he's in a hurry to reach Jerusalem, if possible, by the day of Pentecost. (laughs) But once he gets to Miletus, Paul sent to the Ephesians for the elders of the church. Again, I don't understand this, but it doesn't matter. It's just interesting, bizarre little trivia that I look and go. So he's in a hurry. He passes Ephesus. But when he gets to the next place, he makes somebody walk all the way back to Ephesus to get the guys so the guys from Ephesus can walk all the way up there to see him. When they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived? You know, I'd have walked in and said, dude, why did you sail by? You could have saved us quite the trip here. But uh, anyway, he gets them all together and he starts to give them his final farewell. He says, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears, although I was severely tested by the plots of the Jews. You know I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly and from house to house. I have declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. And now compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem. All right? So now we know we're going to Jerusalem because he says he's compelled by the Spirit. Now, remember that phrase. Because as we continue to read, it seems clear to me that the Spirit was going through great effort to tell him not to go. It's kind of odd. But there's all kinds of odd things. You think your life is odd. We're all odd. Even they were odd. Okay, so he says he's compelled by the Spirit. So keep that in mind. That's what he's thinking. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me (laughs) that prison and hardships are facing me. Now wait a minute. Isn't that a little odd? Every place I go, the Holy Spirit's warning me. Warning. If you go there, you're going to get in trouble. They're going to beat you up. You're going to get arrested. And, And we'll see this. This keeps on. Uh, and people are showing up, prophets are showing up and warning them not to go and stuff like that. And finally the disciples said, oh, give it up already. He's not listening. It seems like the Holy Spirit was going out of his way. Even he said, everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit says, look out, don't, 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 don't get, you're going to get in trouble if you go this way. But yet he felt compelled, he says, by the Spirit to go. I don't know. Interesting. Uh, he says, however, even though the Spirit warns me that prisons and hardships are facing me, I consider my life worth nothing to me. I If only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. Now I know that none of you among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom will ever see me again. So he's right there. He says, I will never see you guys again. That much the Lord had made clear to him. Therefore, I declare to you today that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. And then looking at these men who he just made walk all the way from Ephesus, he says to them, even some of you guys, Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. Ouch. Yeah, he's warning them and he's saying, well, even here, 
or some of you sitting here that will fight against the gospel and become an enemy of the gospel. So be on your guard, he says. Remember that for three years I never stopped warning each of you day and night with tears. Be on your guard. Be on your guard. This is really fascinating when you consider this. I mean, the level of uh, intensity, what it took to be a Christian in those days, way more intense than what it is today. You think just having your mom mad at you is a problem. You know, these people had serious issues uh, as people persecuted them and stuff like that. And to get to the point where you would still be identified with Christians and yet still be a snake in the midst of all these guys. Even sometimes the snakes get in. And, uh, and you just have to be on your guard. I mean... Um, don't be shocked and stunned and blown away if suddenly someone you really know and really trust uh, suddenly goes off on the deep end. That's all I can tell you. I hope not a one of you are like that here. I sincerely do. I pray that we don't have a one person like that in our congregation. Chances are we do. And, uh, you know, I am never shocked often a little surprised depending on who it is but never shocked uh, when someone just all of a sudden whacks out you know they just go goofy they just all of a sudden become an enemy of everything that we're about and turn critical of everything we do and say you know this is all he's nothing but a liar and all the stuff he preaches nothing but a lie it's just a show and he's up there making people laugh he said he's a heretic and just all of a sudden just became enemies it is bizarre but I'm never Shocked by it as this stuff happens all the time. It's just the oddest thing. Don't let it shake your faith. It's certainly, it's never shaken mine. I've, I've had people who, I won't mention any names because some of you know them, but over the years, even here uh, from this church, some guys who just were wonderful and just in it and they were just like champions of the gospel and all of a sudden they just got goofier and all get out and all of a sudden, you know, they, oh, we got to start obeying the Old Testament rules and quit eating pork and everything else and they just, all, all these weird and we can't worship on Sundays anymore and they just get all intense about whatever, half a dozen different things and become virtual enemies and criticizers of everything that we're against. And while it's heart-rendering at times, surely if you love somebody and all of a sudden they turn on you, it, it, it hurts you, but... My faith and hope and trust is not in anybody, you know. Uh, my hope is in Jesus, you know. And, and, uh, and I'm always shocked by, by people who are blown away by this behavior. Because like right now, if all of a sudden, you know, Pastor Gary gets nutty in a fruitcake and says, you know, you can only pray with a, with a picnic, underneath a picnic basket in June. And that's, that's the only way you can pray from now on, you know. And he gets all crazy and stuff like that, like that. I, I don't think you'll do that. But if, you know. And then other people, oh, I just, I just, I don't know what to do. I don't, I don't know anymore. I don't know my faith. I mean, it happened to Gary. <laughs> it happened to Gary. Well, it can happen to me. I'm a nothing. I just, you know, just get all freaked out. Man, don't go there. The reality is you have to keep an attitude of be on your guard. Anybody at any time uh, can get including me, God forbid, God forbid it happened to Gary, God forbid it happened to anybody. But son, I get up one day and, you know, there's a big preacher in Tulsa, you know, what's his name, who suddenly gets up one day in huge churches and stuff and just declares he has a revelation that there is no such thing as hell. God's not going to send anybody to hell. Not, just a, and just starts preaching. I mean, he's, hello? If there's no hell, these guys are really confused because it talks about it. In quite vivid detail. 
Jesus was awful confused. I mean, but yet this guy just flat out. Just, no, 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 that's, that's not, that, no, there is no such thing. It just goes on. And, and of course, you know, a lot of people just blown away. Oh, the pastor, the pastor, oh, I have no faith. The, the pastor can do this. Even the pastor can get nuttier in a fruitcake. God forbid. <laughs> See, the good thing about already being nuttier than a fruitcake is <laughs> most of you are over that hurdle already. But, but you know what I mean? Like crazy nutty you know like you know the bible isn't the bible and 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 you know you don't have to believe in jesus to go to heaven everybody's going to go to heaven anyway just stuff that's blatantly you know even if i come up with stuff like that you know you know what you do you just uh either or uh, get and throw me out of the church or just quit coming and go somewhere else but man don't let that shake your faith in jesus because pastor mark went all wacko are you hearing me man be on your guard i'm gonna serve you. hopefully you're all are there in the end hopefully we're all there in the end holding hands chances are there will be some who at the end won't be part of this deal they just won't be part of faith they just won't be part of faith in jesus for some bizarre reason it has happened since the beginning of christianity since the beginning of time uh, and it will happen until jesus comes back it is always heart rendering and stuff like but don't let it shake your faith if someone you thought and you really trust and respect all of a sudden goes zingo somewhere it happens why it happens you know, is is a subject that can be debated. But anyway, it happens. Be on your guard. Stay firm, rooted in Jesus. He says, now I commit you to God and to the word of his grace, which can build you up and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I have not coveted anyone's silver or gold or clothing. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. Uh, he was a tent maker. He worked uh, and supported himself or as we read when he was, I don't know where, the, uh, Macedonia or whatever, that Timothy, these other guys would come and they would work full time and so that he could spend more time, full time on the gospel. Bottom line is he and his group did not take any money from anybody. But he taught we absolutely sh- could have. It's the right thing for you to do is to support uh, those who minister to you in the work. But he says, I'm glad I never did. So that no one could ever say, I'm here for the money. I'm not here for the money, he said. And I can echo him, I am not here for the money. I am going to do this as long as God enables me to do it. And to me, it's not about the money. It never has been. And everything I did, he said, I showed you that by this kind of hard work. What kind of hard work? Working with your own hands, earning your own income, generating revenue by hard work. That we can help the weak. Don't just consume everything you make. Be givers. Be givers. God blesses you. You make income and stuff like that. Be careful to give back uh, into the kingdom of God and advance the kingdom and, and help those who are hurting and, and, and minister to those who are less fortunate. Remembering the words of the Lord Jesus himself who said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. What grieved them the most was his statement that they would never see his face again. And then they accompanied him to the ship. Next Wednesday, we will pick it up right there. Chapter 21 and continue on. We can have our worship team come on back up.
and sent us out on a very, very high note. And our ushers can come down and we'll take our Wednesday night offering opportunity for you to be givers into the kingdom of God. Also, a lot of you, uh, you give your tithes and offerings on Wednesday nights because you can't even be here on Sunday. So it's a great opportunity uh, to uh, give at this time. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for your blessings. We thank you for your word. Oh God, help us, Lord, to be among those who at the end will still be there, still be part of this. Help us not to be pulled away or drawn or deceived into nonsense or destructive things that contradict your grace and your word. Help us to stand firm. Help us to be on our guard. Help us to always have our roots and our foundation secure in you, you the one who will give inheritance into eternal life. Help us not to trust all our hope in men and women, but to put all our trust and hope in God, in you. Thank you, Lord. We now give back into your kingdom a portion of that which you have blessed us with, having worked hard with our own hands. Lord, we give back, Lord, to advance your kingdom, to help to minister to others in need. We thank you for it. Bless all those who give and honor you at this time, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.